and welcome to Look Over the Podcast. I'm your host, Abdullah. And due to some technical issues, uh, this episode starts abruptly, which I know is kind of jarring from uh, the normal format, but uh, it is what it is, and uh, I hope you enjoy. Happy Pride Month, I guess, because <laughs> like we're tail end of Pride Month or recording this one. Um, the very end, yeah. <laughs> Because uh, I care so much about you, I'm like every other corporation. You just like change, like the just change your, um, just change your logo to like a rainbow logo, and that's like that shows you you care, right? <laughs> yeah, that's enough. That'll do. The bare minimum. Uh, JP Karliak, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I mean, we. Had uh, some technical problems, uh, technology. We were supposed to be recording this like an hour ago, like or, or uh, a couple minutes ago. It's been ten minutes, I guess. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> but isn't isn't technology great? Like we agree on something, and you put it in your calendar, and it just does not, for whatever reason, doesn't inform just you. Doesn't, just a nope. nope. And I, and just I'm sitting no here like. And I'm and I'm like sitting here in the Zoom meeting, going, "Is he ghosting me? Is this is this dude ghosting me?" <laughs> no, not at all. My apologies. Because I've had that happen like many times. Like I have lost, I literally have lost count of how many times I reached out to someone and I say, "You know, do you want to do the podcast?" And I'm like, sure, come reach out to me at like whatever date. And then I reach out to them, and then they just like dr- decide to drop off the face of the earth. Right. But they still have time to update their Twitter, so. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> so, um, te- you know, technical stuff out the way. Um, like, how have you been, like, how have the last, like, how has the last year been treating you? I mean, all things considered, pretty good. Um, you know, I've, I've been very fortunate that, um, you know, I, I don't have anybody in my immediate, um, family who has been drastically affected by, um, by COVID. And, um, we certainly know some people who have had some serious repercussions, but, you know, um, nobody really close to us and, um, you know, uh, but in the midst of all this, you know, I, I've been able to keep working, which has been a blessing. And I, uh, I was able to move in with my partner, which I wasn't able to beforehand because I, you know, I had to be in a specific locale and now I can kind of work from anywhere. So, um, yeah, it's, um, I mean, the kind of the words that I've been using is like, um, I'm COVID fine. You know, it's in the midst of it, in the midst of a disaster, I'm fine. Um, but, uh, yeah, all is well. We have a lot to be thankful for. Um, that, that's good to hear. I mean, but and that's that's the beauty of like voiceover. You guys can just work from anywhere, and I think people have finally it took it took a pandemic for studios to realize, well, we can just get these people to record from home. We don't have to like physically get them in the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's all it took, like just one giant pandemic, the deaths of thousands, and it just, for them to realize, hey, you know, maybe we, maybe, maybe, maybe we we don't have to have everyone in in the studio to record. Maybe we can just get them to record from home. Crazy idea. 
I know. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, I, I mean, the unfortunate thing is that, yeah, sometimes it does take seismic change in order to make seismic change uh, <laughs> or even small changes. But, um, yeah, I mean, hopefully there are some some things for the better that will come out of all of this. I don't know. I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe like my, my, I think my biggest takeaway from this is that maybe more work will get done faster because, uh, you know, people, uh, studios realize that they can just work from, you know, they can just like, if they can't get someone in the studio physically, they'll just like get them to record from home. Maybe I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what their plans are going forward, but I mean, like the, it, group records in general are already, were already a rare thing, even pre-pandemic. So I don't. Right. I, I mean, I think that's going to be like that's going to stay the same. But you know, I don't know like what the situation, what a what a post-COVID world is going to look like. You know, as we slowly, slowly, and I mean slowly, go back to what we call normalcy. I don't, and I honestly don't even know what that word means anymore because, like, what is normal any and and anymore? to be quite honest, like. Yeah, I mean, it's, we're definitely looking at a new normal um, and some things for the better and some things that, you know, are going to be a little bit worse. Um, in some cases, a lot worse. But for those, especially for those of us that have lost somebody. But um, yeah, I don't know. I um, I think industry-wise, it's, it, you know, I, I certainly miss people. It's going to be... Um, you know, that's that's been the hardest things, even for the few sessions that I have done in person. It's just me and an engineer and everybody else is on Zoom. So, um, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I miss those being able to visit with people on breaks and, uh, you know, socialize, do water cooler talk and all that. No, I mean, well, I mean, that's that's human. That's human emotion in general. We just like miss company. Like it just, mm. I, I was just thinking about this where, like, I it's funny looking back like at a lot at a lot of like stuff, you know, a lot of like people I used to talk to and realize, man, the conversations we had might might have sounded like dumb, you know, back in like 2019 or whatever, but like they mean so much more in hindsight now because, well, you know, you had those conversations in person and. And you were able to socialize without a mask on. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, for so, sure. Just it's it's crazy, but uh as as the world turns, so does the entertainment mm -hmm. industry. Like it, it it never stops. It is it is like a constant you know, it's like people need content and we you're gonna yeah, shit out I that mean, content <laughs> as fast as you can. Yeah. I mean, especially now, you know, what else, what else do people have? So, yeah. I mean, and speaking of content, um, how, like, how did you like land, like most of the roles you get? Like, is it via auditions or how does the, how does the process work? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, I mean, you know, with the, with voiceover folk, like there's, there's not a lot of us that are offer only, especially in every case. Uh, so yeah, I mean, every, um, Every major role that I've had has been through an audition. Um, I think the only stuff that I just get offered are usually like bit parts or or some you know ADR pickup or um, you know walla or something like that. But nothing. 
yeah, all the big parts were were auditions and sometimes callbacks and you know. Uh, yeah, but uh, I mean, you know, like thinking of Boss Baby, that was a that was an audition and a callback, and only to um, only to do scratch initially because. Um, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin has has the first right of refusal on um, any any time the character is uh, voiced, um, and he hadn't made up his mind yet about whether he wanted to do the series or not. So they just brought me in to do scratch and to sort of um, you know uh, just fill in uh, so that the animators had something to animate to until uh, they could get him in. Uh, but then finally he made the decision that he actually didn't want to do it. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just too busy. And, uh, and so it was me, but, um, yeah, there's a lot of, um, a lot of the roles in addition to auditions, like a lot of the roles that I've gotten have been happy accidents of some one kind or another, you know, um, either a recast or, you know, somebody wasn't available or, uh, or, you know, um, or somebody passed away, so um, you know, I they they just needed somebody else. So yeah, it's it. So much of it is just um, being in the right place at the right time, you know, um, and having all the preparation um, to seize that opportunity. Um, you you mentioned Boss Baby, and I'm and um, I was just about to ask, like, did you know when you did when you came in for that? Did they want an Alec Baldwin impression or a sound alike, or is it just like do your own thing? They did, um, but I don't think I do a terribly good Alec Baldwin. I think I'm actually better at uh, doing Will Arnett doing Alec Baldwin. Uh, and you know, I they were auditioning like a bunch of the roles for the pilot. Um, and there were some other parts in there that I was like, oh, I, I'm probably more likely to get one of these, but I don't know if I'm going to get this guy, um, which kind of took the pressure off it. Like, well, I'm just going to go in and have fun and whatever. Um, and that's what I did for my audition. And that's, you know, even when I got called back, um, you know, it was still... Uh, it was still one of those like, well, I don't think it's going to end up being me, so I'm just going to have a good time. Uh, but that worked, and uh, yeah, uh, I I think in the beginning of recording, there was a lot more pressure to sound a lot like Alec, um, and kind of get his get his cadence. Uh, but as we went on, it kind of became more of my own thing. Like you know, he does the movies, I do the TV show, and. There are similar characters, but like we certainly do our own takes on it, and um, somehow it all still gels in the same universe. Yeah, it reminds me of like back in the '80s when they did like uh, the real Ghostbusters, and <laughs> and Bill Murray got upset that Lorenzo Music didn't, you know, sounded like Garfield, and he's like, "Oh, why would you guys cast me as the Garfield guy?" <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it kind of works, you know. Uh, <laughs> It was a great, that was a great cast and Lorenzo did a great job, but yeah, you know, um, everybody's a critic. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and, and that, that wasn't the only role you took over because you were in Crash 4 as, as en Entropy and that was a role yep. that was played by the phenomenal Corey Burden and I wondered, I wonder like, how is that experience for you? Because like, it's, it's a pre-existing character, it's a character voiced by one of the greatest, by a legend in the industry. 
Like, For how sure. did you approach that? I mean, uh, I, uh, you know, they put when they put out the casting, they they weren't doing sound alikes. They weren't like you need to sound like Corey. Uh, they were kind of looking for everybody to bring sort of a their own spin on it. Um, so I didn't even I didn't even listen to. No, that's not entirely true. I think I did. I think I, I think I actually listened to a little bit of Corey, but I I didn't want to marry myself to it just because it seemed like well like you know obviously if they wanted Corey they would just hire Corey. Um, so um, yeah, I kind of just put my own little spin on it, and um, I think all of the stuff that he did was awesome. Like you know, uh, especially in listening to it later. Uh, uh, he's brilliant. Like Corey has done so many roles that I, you know, love and admire. But um, yeah, you know, I. The tricky thing is that none of us own any of these characters. You know, like I know that Boss Baby will probably have a long life. Uh, you know, after I've done it. Um, certainly, doing Wiley e. Coyote, like, you know, there's been multiple people that have played it before me. There are already multiple people playing it after me. So. Um, you know, we're, we put our stamp on these characters when we get our opportunity to, and that's kind of it, you know. No, because when I, when I listened to it, it was just so different because, you know, with Corey Burton, like, I mean, I love the guy, but you know, you, you know, when he's, you know, when the, I, I think like one of my problems with Corey Burton and, and, you know, sometimes that he, he'll just go to doing like the Paul Freeze impression that he does like a lot because he's really good at that and people, you know, just cast him in that. And I remember if I remember correctly, Entropy in like the original Crash Warped had like a Paul Freeze sounding voice. Mm. And um and uh you know he reprised the role in the Insane Tr trilogy, the remake. So it was kind of jarring to just listen to to someone completely different do it after after that when that was just like fresh in, in my mind and but it's yeah. such it's so different and yet it it works like i love how creepy he is like he's so just creepy and he's a creeper for sure <laughs> i mean you know i i especially once we got into the session and i they kind of laid out like what the the arc of entropy was going to be and that he was going to meet his female self and they were going to kind of have a thing I, you know it was like okay so this guy is a extreme narcissist for one sweet um and um and that also he had to kind of be counterpoint to um cortex you know because cortex is kind of the goofy villain and um you know uh they needed so uh, i i wanted my character to sound uh different from that you know like a, a nice counterpoint to uh everything that lex was doing so um yeah these uh and as far as uh, Corey doing paul i mean i think we all kind of have like i think all of us voiceover actors no matter how many voices we have in our pockets i think there's the archetypes that we lean on a little bit um i know i do um, and you know, and some, uh, I think every once in a while, it's, it's great to book that role that really 
forces you to do something different that requires something different of you. I mean, like I, I know there was a Marvel short that I did where I got to play the wrecker who's like a, you know, way down the list of Marvel villains, but you know, like super New York tough guy, you know, and I don't usually do, I can do that voice, but I usually am not hired to do it. Usually don't. So it's fun to get those voices that kind of uh, stretch us in other directions and, you know, are like, oh, okay, I, that's right. I do, I do other things aside from this. Cause I, most of my characters, if I had a through line for the majority of them, it's that they, they all went to a really good college, you know, um, and they all have a kind of like a sort of an esoteric, uh, astute sound. Like a, a lot of people, uh, have compared what I do to uh, Sideshow Bob or um, uh, Phil Hartman, uh, which is I, which is flattering, uh, but it also is a reminder that it's like, ah, oh, okay, okay, people are start people are starting to to pick up on the tricks. They they know what I'm doing, so you know. That, no, I mean it's kind funny. of a signal to freshen it up. No, it's funny you mentioned that because, like, I remember watching like the the some of the Looney Tunes cartoons you did as Wally Coyote, and I'm like, I'm getting massive like Niles Crane <laughs> energy from. Oh yeah, from from um, from Wally Coy- from Wally Coyote, and I'm yeah. like, man, you know, D- David Hyde Pierce would have made a great Wally Coyote. Now that I'm thinking about it. Oh yeah, no, he totally would. <laughs> um, as would Kelsey Grammer. I mean, either one of them. Um, yeah, it's because he's so very that he's so, um, he's so into himself, you know, and so, uh, believes so heartily that he really is a genius and that every idea that he has is foolproof and flawless and so deluded. I, I do love the fact that the entire conflict in the first, in the first uh, episode we see him in is, is him like trying to get rid of one leaf with the leaf blower and it's just you know <laughs> yeah it's it's just a sign of that you know that over perfectionism that just causes the unmaking of everything uh, and it, he's very that and i do love like i, I watched the roadrunner one where he's just like looking for stuff online and then the roadrunner is just his delivery guy and he's like well well shit now i gotta chase him <laughs> yeah yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting. We had a lot of conversations in it, you know, because so much of that particular show, we're looking at the sort of the usual conceits for all of the different Looney Tunes and kind of trying to turn them on the rear, you know. Uh, and something we often talked about was, you know, what if Wiley went to visit Acme or what? what is Acme actually like? Are they, you know, and the idea that maybe Acme is actually run by Roadrunners. And uh, I don't, I don't think we never got to do that episode. God, I wish we did. But, uh, you know, that it's, he's been ordering from this company for forever, never realizing that they were always out to sabotage him. It was always on purpose. Um, but, but, but I think like what I like about Wally, Wally Coyote as a character is that he's like the, the ultimate epiphany of life in that, you know, he he he's constantly trying to catch that roadrunner, but he never does, and it always ends up horribly wrong, but he just never gives up. He just like, okay, start again. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and isn't that true of, of the best villains, you know, like, 
I, I, I take so much more inspiration from villain character, like classic cartoon villains, because they are the people that get up again and again and again and just keep trying, you know, like my favorite villain is Skeletor. Um, and darn it, if he wasn't always trying to get in Castle Grayskull, no matter what, like always had some new harebrained scheme to try to get in. And I mean, that type of tenacity is, you know, it's admirable. Now, I think what, what makes Skeletor so hilarious to me is that he just wants like the castle and I'm and and it ne and it just never it never occurred to me like why don't He Man and his friends just build a lookalike castle and just give him that like he's not <laughs> I don't think he's smart enough to realize he, he would have been duped. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he for all of his uh, supposed brilliance, he he sometimes is uh, a little dense. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I think. It's it's kind of like that grass is greener idea, you know. I think I think he has this this warped idea of there being all of the power of the universe in that castle, and maybe there is, maybe there isn't. Who knows? But you know, all he knows is that he can't get in, and so it there must be something amazing in there. <laughs> and he's just oh god, that that must have like that that role is just so. I mean, Skeletor is like the archetypical villain in that he is just. Guy with a skull for a head has a nasally voice, constantly screaming at his underlings, insulting them, and he's just God. I remember, like, uh, you know, there was a. I'm not friends with this person anymore, but uh, I remember, like, when we, we used to have conversations about like the greatest villains, and Skeletor would always come up, and we would have this bit where we would just like talk in Skeletor voices for, for like. I like, mean, yeah, it's just he's, he's so much fun to imp to impersonate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Alan Alan Alp Oppenheimer, man, he he, you know, he nailed that that role, and you know, yeah. Now sure. it's Mark Hamill, so there you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very different take, uh, but an awesome one. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that show. Yeah, I, the only thing I don't like is that Orko is a badass now, and I'm like, yeah, that's it. That looks wrong. I don't like that. <laughs> like Orko. Oh, he might just. <laughs> I think he's still probably going to be Orko. <laughs> I don't. I don't think he's going to go too far afield. But yeah, I mean, it's kind of like in the comics they made him. They made him a villain. You know, uh, I th there's. I think there's just a lot of people that want to retcon characters like Orko. Like. Um, Almost in the way that people want to retcon Snarf from Thundercats. Like, oh, he was so annoying. We need to do something different with him. It's like, eh, but I don't know. When I was four, like a little character like Snarf or Orca were kind of, they were my favorites because they, they were the cute ones, you know. No, I, d I did like the episode of the 2002 He-Man cartoon where they made Stingcore a tragic character. And then he's oh, just yeah. cursed and he's just... He has to wear that to keep himself from, from keep the stink from, from coming out. It's just like yeah, murdering everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's that poor that poor guy is he's been through it. <laughs> I just I just love the I just love that we're as a culture we're just so obsessed with like Cerberus retcons and just taking like these really dumb characters and saying, but what if? 
Like now, now hear me out. What if this character was really tragic? And sometimes it works. Sometimes it's just yeah. Okay. I mean, you know, I I think of the when Batman the animated series went you know all in on Mister Freeze and made him such a you know a, a real tragic uh, villain. Well, before he was kind of just jokey, you know, especially from the uh, <laughs> the Adam West series. You know. I mean, nobody was serious on that, but like he was just, you know, kind of like, oh, he's got, he's, he's an icy man, you know, and um, it was neat. To, it was such a beautiful uh, series in um, uh, in the animated series of of showing, uh, you know, that's that sadder side. It's it's so funny because people tend to forget that Mister Freeze was just basically just a Captain Cold ripoff. When he first came out, when yep. he first appeared, and and now it's like, well, obviously Captain Cold ripped off Freeze, and I'm like, no, it's, it's the other way around, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes yeah. it works. Sometimes I mean, there's it always, doesn't. you know, the... yeah. mm-hmm. for sure. There's, I mean, well, I mean, and to be fair, there's only like so many powers that a person can have that it just, you know, it, it starts to repeat in itself. I mean, you've seen one guy right. fly, you pretty much like whatever at this point. <laughs> yeah. And there's only so many powers that are actually like, oh, that's impactful. That's actually going to make a difference. You know, like I could make paper clips out of thin air, but so. <laughs> I mean, sp- speaking of superpowers, if you had one superpower, what would it be and why? Um, I think. What's my usual answer to this? I think I usually, I, uh, it's, I think it's teleportation because not so much the flying aspect, like I don't want to get in trouble with air traffic control and all of that, you know, nonsense and, uh, and have to exert all the energy to actually get from one place to the other. I would rather just, you know, snap my fingers and I'm there. So just uh, bamf everywhere. You go. <laughs> yeah. I think that would be pretty cool. Um, that or I, I actually kind of like the idea of magnetism. But, but I mean, mag, I, I don't know. Magnets just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird power to have, or it's like, well, I think <laughs> mostly because if I'm, if I'm on the road and I wanted to clear out traffic, I could just do it. <laughs> Well, true, but at the same time, it's like, well, what if someone isn't like, you know, what if someone's on a, not a scooter, but like, what if someone is like on rollerblades or what have you? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, there are hazards involved for sure. Um, No, I mean, it's just like, I, I find... It's it's weird coming up with like new and new and new powers and making them interesting, and God and 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 I, isn't it great how it starts out with me talking about voiceover and then it just devolves me into thinking about superpowers. For... It's all related. <laughs> and now that I think about it, like d- does like now that I think about it, like do do half the characters in He Man have powers or are they just like all super strong or are they all roided up on something? <laughs> well, let me think. Because um, some of them it's a powers thing. Some of them it's like the devices that they have, like like clamp tramp or no 
clamp, a clamp champ, not tramp. <laughs> clamp, oh uh, God, <laughs> that's a different um, character. <laughs> yeah, there's that guy, and then there's like you know, and then there's like merman or like claw grip or whatever, and they're just you know, it's just because they're like a crab person and a fish person, not necessarily that they have a superpower associated with that. You know, it's kind of, it's a, yeah, they're le- they're less superheroes and more just you know. Um, you know, people with who are unique in some way. Oh, I mean, and then you have like Skele- glow who is just a skeleton who can glow in the dark. And... Scareglow, oh yeah, <laughs> Scareglow, <Yeah. laughs> who actually yeah. looks pretty cool in the in the new series. All you know, <laughs> yeah. Although it's kind of he... weird, it's kind of weird to have like another skeleton character when your bad guy already has like a skull for a head. But I don't, I'm not complaining, you know. I think skeletons are cool, and I, I just love the skull aesthetic. That, that's like that's my shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, he he is a cool one. Uh, yeah. And then of course you have like Fisto, who is just a guy with a giant fist. <laughs> right. Yes. And Jujitsu, who is a guy with a also a giant hand, but in a karate chop form. You know, that's. Uh, <laughs> yeah they came out i mean like it was uh, it was all about selling the original series was all about selling toys and it's it's been it's so interesting especially from like the early 2000 show and then i think what we're going to see in this show and also like reading the comic books which were really good but also pretty dark of them trying to find sort of like more serious or or developed explanations for what was ostensibly like Hey, the GI Joe's making kung fu grips. What do we got that's similar? How about a guy with a big fist that swings real hard? Cool, let's do that. You know. Uh, yeah. No, it's 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 it looks it looks great, and I kind of interested to see where they're gonna go with this. This is like the first He Man new He Man media we've gotten since. God, I don't know. It's been almost a decade now since we got like an official he-man related anything it's just yeah, it's been a minute i mean <laughs> even the comic books you know haven't been out for you know a bunch of years so yeah isn't isn't it weird like how it's it's a franchise that just lived off nostalgia for like <laughs> the 80s <laughs> yeah I, well i mean that's kind of true of a, of a lot of them you know whether it's thundercats or um i mean tmnt kind of never really shut down like they've always had an iteration um but i think a lot of a lot of people just you know come back for uh those shows from the 80s just because it was like that was my childhood so you know i mean and it's easier to just like crap out a existing property than just like okay we'll just re and we'll just like create something original because every time something original does come out the the networks are like yeah you know this isn't doing well as we had hoped but um but it has an audience you know you know maybe if you guys promoted promoted it better nah 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 we'll just uh quietly cancel it and it will end on a cliffhanger because (laughs) (laughs) of course (laughs) like god it just makes me so sad to see like all these original shows come out and they just like get treated poorly by the network because they're just like, Hey, we, we can't make this work. And, uh, yeah, it failed Absolutely. to find an audience. 
well, you guys didn't promote it, so how could it find an audience if you didn't promote it properly? I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, that was kind of true of the original, or the He-Man, original He-Man reboot. Um, you know, it just, uh, the series was being watched, but the toys weren't selling. And, you know, uh, probably a lot having to do with that all of the toys that were in stores were just He-Man and, and Skeletor in different outfits and not the rest of the characters. Um, and, you know, uh, that that series was supposed to sell toys. So, and, what's, uh, what, what, and what's sadder is, like, after the show ended, NECA, NECA did come out with a line of figures, but they were just, like, statues. <laughs> so there you mm-hmm. go. If you wanted the rest of the cast, you can get the rest of the cast, but they're just statues and... Yeah, I mean they look cool. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you know I would have loved to have like an actual Hordak from that show instead of just a statue. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I I do have that statue actually, <laughs> and that's still my favorite Hordak design. I just I just love that design. Oh, it's great. <laughs> it's really really great. Yeah. I mean I I mean the new the newer Shiro design was okay. I mean it works for that universe, but to me like that. You know, 2002 Hordak is that, it's just that, such a great design. Yeah, that that really otherworldly, almost sort of the Lord of the Rings-esque version. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and and he was supposed to have like a massive arc, but um show got canceled, so. <laughs> um, And then you got, I mean... Now that I think about it, like the Shira, the Shira reboot didn't get like any toys, did it? I don't think I've ever seen toys of that. I don't rem. I th- I feel like they probably did like a Shira doll that was like, yeah, you know, like you know, a, a, a ten inch or twelve inch like figure, you know. But I don't know if they did anything beyond that. Because I remember, like, they did, like, maybe one or two. Like, they just did an, a She-Ra figure and a Catra figure. I remember seeing those, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And once those sold out, they just, like, went out of... They just stopped existing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's I, It's weird. You know, I... Uh, there are so, so few shows that still do, like, the classic action figure-y, you know... Uh, thing uh, it's either all of the retro lines like seeing more Star Wars and more Transformers and uh, you know stuff like that or it's uh, uh, you know or, or it's just like this random collection of of stuff from this one particular series but uh, it's rare it's really rare to see that it's it, I think most of the mer- merchandising now comes from like you know, digital like apps and digital stuff and, and apparel and you know all all that, but yeah, not as many toys. It's it sucks because I remember like a lot of you know whenever you see a really cool character, you're like, I want that, I want it physically, I want it, I want like a yeah. physical interpretation of that because I I really liked uh, Double Trouble from the Shira reboot, and I'm kind of like I I kind of wish they made a figure of that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I am wondering, you know, just because there is such a fan base for He-Man and She-Ra, like I, I am wondering if they are ever going to do a special line of She-Ra figures. That would make sense. But then again, a lot of it also has to do with, 
who licensed what from whom and who owns, you know, because DreamWorks produced it. So did they, who knows? <laughs> I, I remember like there was this whole hullabaloo where they're like, oh, you can't, you can't use any He-Man related characters. That's why like it, it, it didn't, uh, not it didn't, yeah. it, it, I remember, I forgot the name of the planet they were on. Etheria. I think it was just like, and they were just like name dropped like some He-Man reference in like one episode and that's it. Like that mm. was the, that was the entire, like that's your connection to He-Man and, and the whole, the honor for Grayskull was a completely different thing that had nothing to do with He-Man. <laughs> right. Is... Yeah. Totally different. <laughs> it's like, but it's Grayskull. No, no, no. Totally different. Totally different thing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it, it's so weird because I don't, I didn't, I, I don't think they knew that that show was going to be as popular as it was. I think they just said, um, you know, screw it. It's just a recognizable property. We can't use He-Man. We'll just use She-Ra instead. And that show apparently, you know, had, you know, became real popular. And then they're like, well, shit, now what? (laughs) Well, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think, I think part of it was that Noel just had a really, who's the showrunner, creator, uh, of this particular series, I think she had a, v- a very clear. Uh, I'm sorry, there they. I think they had a very uh, clear arc of where they wanted it to go, and that you know it was always intended as you know, what was it, four seasons, five seasons? Um, it was always intended to for that to be like the bookend of it, and um, which I think for you know even if Mattel was a little like, oh, I don't know, you know, because it, it was a risk. The idea that it's like, well, even if it doesn't, if it doesn't play or even if it alienates some of our fan base or whatever, it's got to, it has a clear end. So cool. We can, you know, we can go for that. Um, and it also isn't going to be part of the expanded universe. So they don't have to, if they want to do a different Shira down the road, they certainly can, you know, but I think, um, so that was a risk they were willing to take. And the beautiful thing is that the finished product was actually, you know, a really inspiring and, and kind of game changing series. Yeah. Because it was like the only, the only animated series I can think of that didn't shy away from, you know, LGBT themes. Like, it, yeah, it's it that and Steven universe. Those are, those are the biggies. There are others like there's, um, Adventure Time and Danger and Eggs and you know some other shows that do it to lesser extents, but Shira and and Steven Universe were like the real champions there. Yeah, but because like it it was it was I think the only show I can think of that had like an entire society that was just everyone's LGBT and it's normal and you know we're not gonna yeah there know. are no very special episodes. It was like nope, we're cool with it. It's fine. You know, which is refreshing. <laughs> yeah, it's so great because it's like, you know, you're not hammering in, you know, you're not hammering me in the head with the fact that, oh, man, this 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 is the queer character. <laughs> you know, they're the they're the queer rep. And and, you know, if you don't like it, then tough shit. You know, we're not going to give you any more reps other than this, this this particular character. It's like, hey, you know, you you know, you have all these like all these different characters and, and the fact that they built an entire society where it's like, well, you know, we're not going to do the heteronormative thing. We're just going to like go straight full on, like, you know, full on queer society. And I'm like, okay, 
you know that's yeah. that's pretty pretty ballsy <laughs> like cuz no one else no one else did that especially for especially it's it's so funny because i remember like a lot of people making a lot of you know gay jokes about he-man and and master of the universe and then like when Shira comes along and it's like, well, you know, we're going to take that and, you know, turn it into a positive. Everyone complains about them pushing an agenda. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. I mean, that's the. It's funny because, you know, as far as that stuff with He-Man goes, like they want a show to be hyper masculine because we need to teach our boys to be men and, you know, all that stuff. But the minute that it. But if it stays in that state too long, or if it pushes even a little bit too far, then suddenly it gets real gay, you know. Um, like people, do, like GI Joe is like you know the ultimate like men's show. But you know, if you try to make them a little extra muscly and you you know you put them in furry loincloths, well then now you've gone too far. <laughs> now now that's just way too homoerotic. Um, so yeah, it's the the double standards that about you know um, gender roles and masculinity are just so, bleh, but there they are. No, I mean it's just it's just so weird because it's even when they're designing a lot of these toys, you ever notice like it's always like the good guys are like these fit, muscular, like good looking individuals and all the bad guys are like ugly monsters and it's sure. like okay yeah you know yeah. i mean it's the normalizing <laughs> you know it's it's normalizing like you know this is this is what you're supposed to look like um you know toned and tanned and blonde and all of that stuff and and these and don't be like these other freaks and i've always liked the freaks better <laughs> I always like even as a kid like I'm not I'm not a huge Thundercats fan but I even as a kid I'm like you know what Mummer was the best part of that show <laughs> probably the best part of the show <laughs> totally yeah I mean like he had you know he had a costume change like he had there was uh he had like he wielded some really insane power and I mean like the character was amazing in the reboot uh yeah it's um the villains are always more fun. They really are. Yeah, I mean, and I just love the fact that they were all just mutants, and and I just, I just ended up feeling bad for them because they're like, you know what? If if I had to deal with Lionel and his and and all the and all the other like Thundercats on the daily basis, yeah, hell, hell yeah, I'd be, I'd be where they were. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, but but I mean, is it is it weird like how we 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 as a I mean, I don't want to say collective, but isn't it weird how, like, in fiction, we're we're constantly told, like, oh, you know, the heroes are the ones we're supposed to to root for and screw the villains. Their villains are always just like terrible. You should just always automatically hate them. Yeah, I mean, it, there's we gravitate towards the, the the hard line of black and white, you know, or the hard lines of good and evil, and you know, I, I, I always enjoyed so much more a story that's really delves into the gray areas, and you know, whether that's, uh, um, you know, like Game of Thrones uh, was very that, 
at least the first, you know, the beginning of it. Uh, dealing with the gray areas of people that, you know, it's like, oh, that's a bad person. Oh, but they're actually really nice. Oh, but they're rotten. Oh, but I don't know. Like, how do I actually feel? Um, or even just watching Loki now, like, you know, I, I'd love to see a, I'd love to uh, to find what is the, what makes a villain tick and that they're not just a one dimensional um, character. Uh, yeah, but, you know, I, I, I think it's unfortunate that we are so hell bent on teaching our kids that it's like, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys because nothing is, nothing is that clear cut in real life. So why in our fiction should we be more, I mean, I suppose there's some type of, of relief that comes from like, well, at least we can all say that orcs are bad, you know, but, um, but yeah, I don't think, I don't think it sets a very, a very positive example. No, and it's and it's just it's it's weird to me because like I've seen how kids who grew up in the eighties and nineties with with that mentality are acting now, and let me tell you, it ain't pretty. It is not pretty. Yeah, <laughs> so, for sure. So it's it's it seems weird to me that we're just like still hell bent on that on that idea of like, well, you know, the good guys are good and the bad guys are bad, and. Like there's no middle ground anymore, and it's just like, well, that's not that's not real life. And, yeah, you know. No, every, everything's more complicated. I mean, I'm not saying life. like, okay, you have to make like the villains like automatically like every every villain needs a tragic backstory and is like needs to be sympathetic. No, I'm as I'm just saying like, stop writing them to be like one dimensional characters. Right. Like, just 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 give me like something to work with, just something to work with. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think of like uh, Killmonger from Black Panther and how, yeah, he was, you know, he definitely had some emotional stuff going on and he definitely had a violent streak and there was definitely like some villainry going on there. But in terms of his motives, you know, there, there was something that's like, I don't know if I necessarily agree with you, but I can see a kernel of truth in what you're saying. You know, I appreciate that versus, you know, somebody like, not to crap on Doctor Strange, but I'm going to for a minute. The uh, the villain from that movie, where it was like, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but apparently you just want to be a bad man. So okay, be a bad man. You know, <laughs> I, I I want I want to know your motives. I want to know because nobody nobody wakes up in the morning and is like, today I'm going to be evil. You know, it's it's like no, I ha I'm passionate about a particular thing. And that's what my driving force is. And other people will disagree with me. And that's just is what it is, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it makes sense. And, and, you know, you bring up Killmonger. And, you know, at the end of the day, you still, you can sympathize with him. But he, at the end of the day, the, the story makes it clear he is still the bad guy. Because once he takes over Wakanda, you know, he, he shows that after all that talk about, like, preserving the culture and what have you and blah, blah, blah. He didn't care. It was all bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was, you know, it was, uh, well, I, he, you know, I think he wanted to get the, uh, he wanted to get weaponry out into the world, uh, you know, in order for black people throughout the world to be able to take back, uh, to, uh, to be able to come out from being the, 
underserved and underrepresented and, and disenfranchised minority and to, you know, and to become an alpha, you know, position, uh, which in some ways is like, okay, yeah, I, I fully respect that. But the idea of being like, but sending super futuristic weapons around the world, I don't know if that's necessarily gonna, going to meet your ends. I don't know if that's going to be the solve there. I, I like the idea. I don't love the execution. <laughs> that 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 sentence pretty much sums up like most of my feelings toward like modern day media, where it's like I like the idea, but the execution is kind of oh boy. <laughs> sure. Um. Anywho, um, pretty sure people are tuned out by now. It's like oh, I I came here for for voice acting i didn't want to talk about morality we can still still talk about voice acting (laughs) no but i mean um no it's interesting like when you play a villain do you do you like think about what what that person like how that person became the way they are they were or are i don't know i think to a certain extent i mean you know even the most ridiculous villains uh it's good to have an idea of like, well, why are you doing this? Like, what is the, what is this really about? Uh, you know, even just, even just a little bit of that helps to give more perspective to the character as opposed to just being like, I'm just going to walk in and choose scenery. That's fun. But um, it's nice to have some motive behind it. So, yeah, I think I do. Um, like even like, you know, I think of like, I was, I was, uh, you know, Wolfgang and Skylanders a bajillion years ago. And, uh, you know, this is a guy who just wanted to, wanted nothing more than to just have the biggest rock concert in the entire universe and to have everybody cheering for him. And if that meant that he had to mm, enslave an entire race of like sloth-like creatures to cheer for him, uh, so be it. You know, uh, but he had a motive. He had something he wanted, however silly it was, you know. Um, so it's, you know, I think even, uh, you know, entropy, you know, part of it, I think, was vengeance. Part of it, I think, was, um, you know, reclaim it, literally reclaiming his time uh, from being trapped for so long and, uh, you know, and feeding his narcissism, which is what it is for a lot of villains, feeding their narcissism. Oh, that and and just like finally stepping down and saying like I'm not you know I'm done being like the second fiddle to Cortex's schemes. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just interesting. Um, because I mean, like when people play villains, like they don't usually think about like how how they're acting, like how you know how they you know what made them what they are. They just they just go into it saying, well, I can just be a dick for <laughs> because I'm the villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you you can and i mean there are certainly people that uh certainly care of villainous characters that are the way they are because they're bullies and they just get off on you know and exerting their power and influence and you know that's fun to play too um but it's uh yeah like sometimes it's nice to know like yeah but why why are you doing that <laughs> Um, yeah, because I, 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 I mean, I love a character study. I, lo- I love to think about like, well, what's making this person tick, and why are, 
what is uh, you know, what is their background and what caused this? And it's not necessarily a tragic backstory all the time, but sometimes it's just like, um, you know, what what happened as you were growing up that you're like, mm, I think I want this and I think I want it this way. Uh, yeah, that stuff's interesting to me. So, you know, even, even if it is for a TV show that is aimed at four-year-olds, I want to know. I want to know what it's about. <laughs> You're the type of person who just like watches everything and you're like, well, I, I got to make, I got to make a, an entire, like, got to write those notes down and, and just like, you know, I don't know, uh, <laughs> just write down those notes and, and just wonder like, uh, how, what, what makes this person tick? <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I must know. <laughs> <laughs> Because I mean, it's it's interesting. I mean, honestly, like even even in life in general, I, I you know I notice that people have like good and bad qualities that I just find interesting. Like sometimes, I don't know how to how to say this, but like sometimes you you um, you know you meet people who seem nice on who seem like perfect saints in one minute, and then you you know you get to know them, and you just start to notice their negative qualities and you, and you start to wonder like were they were those negative qualities always there or were they just like or were you just seeing what you wanted to see because you liked being around that person sure i mean i i you know we stick around with people because of a variety of reasons uh you know and uh both in friends relationships colleagues work partners you know um and some of it is, uh, some of it's mutually beneficial. Some of it's selfish. Some of it is, you know, especially for the people that give too much of themselves, it is, you know, just uh, self-sacrificial in some ways. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I like to, uh, I like to find my to uh, my relationships with people to be like the clownfish and the sea anemone. We we have we mutually benefit from each other. Uh, for knowing each other <laughs> and plus like when you get older like I, I i realize like adult friendships suck because you you're at that point where you're just like you can't you don't want to make new friends you just want to stick with like the people you already know like have like the close circle but at the same time you just get bored of talking to the same inner circle at some point <laughs> you just sure uh I mean, I think, I think that's why it, uh, that has, that has made this past year tricky, like, especially for me in my inner circle, because, you know, what makes, what keeps uh, everything fresh is being able to talk about like, Hey, what's going on with your kids? Hey, what's going on with your job? Hey, what's, have you traveled? Are you, what are you doing? What's going on with you? And when, you know, you're talking to people and it's like, just sitting here, just sitting here, nothing's different. Yeah, that that's that's tricky, um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I I will say that I that my the friendships that I had before the pandemic that were the rock solid ones have if uh, have remained so throughout this. Um, but I think some of the more casual acquaintances or you know people that I'm like, oh yeah, we need to get lunch. Let's get lunch. Oh yeah, let's get lunch. You know, we never got lunch. 
and now I don't even remember who those people were. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, like, you know, not every person you're going to talk to, you're going to automatically be friends with. Like, that's why I think it's just so silly when people tell me, oh, well, everyone, like everyone in the voiceover industry is friendly and everyone's very supportive of each other. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's true. But at the same time, like, you know who your friend, who your close friends are and you know who your acquaintance, you know, acquaintances are. Sure. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. And I, you know, we all have varying degrees there. I mean, you know, there are people that I will see at a, at a session or a voiceover event who I don't hang out with one-on-one -on, -one on a regular basis, but I enjoy their company in the booth. And, you know, I, we, we have good banter, you know, in a session and I might know, you know, we might know little bits about each other, but you know, we, it's also like, it's a work colleague thing. And then there are those voiceover friends who are really close friends and we hang out and we've traveled or been to events for with each other, you know, and um, yeah, like, I, I think there, there, there's all those, all those different, there's all those different levels in, in my own family. Like, you know, there's the cousins that I'm like, I talk to on a regular basis. And then there's the ones that I don't hear from or contact that much. And, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're mad at each other. It's just kind of like, you know, it's, we're just not as close. Uh, I really hope you don't get you don't get like a couple people coming in like people you don't talk to anymore and contacting you out of blue out of the out of the blue. They saying, are Can welcome I to. <laughs> I welcome that. Contacting contacting yeah. contacting out of the blue for money or something. I'm like ugh. <laughs> much good may that do them. Because <laughs> because that's a thing and I, and I just hate that. I'm like well. If if you really cared about this person, then you would have contacted them before they got famous. But now you just want, you, know, you just want your your, I don't know. Yeah, it's so stupid. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, speaking of like inner circles and close friendships, I think at some point you just realize, you know, that you're you're only going to be talking to like maybe two or three people or five people, maybe tops, like. I mean, it, it all it all boils down to tiers. Like, you got the top-tier people, lower-tier people, and then, you know, garbage-tier. <laughs> oh, I don't know if anybody... I mean, certainly there are people that I would consider uh, casual acquaintances by necessity because, you know, it's like, I don't think that we would gel very well for very long. But by and large, I will say, you know, what everybody says about the voiceover community being nice. I do think that by and large, the community is nice. I'm not saying that we're all going to have sleepovers together. Like, you know, like, oh my God, you're my bestie. But you know, like I get along with everybody. Um, and, uh, and that's nice. It's not, it's, it, it's nice to be able to go to work and, you know, and know like, oh, there's, there's not going to be anybody that's going to be tricky or difficult or, uh, or hard to work with or complaining, you know, everybody's nice. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, just like any workplace, it doesn't mean that it's like, Oh, we're, that we're going to be best friends all the time. Well, I mean, it, it, yeah, I guess, or maybe like if it's like a celebrity coming in to work for the day, then that's going to be like a whole thing, but that's just so rare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I mean, especially because, you know, it's a rare occurrence where the celebrity actually comes in at the same, even when we do group records, 
it's so rare that they i mean like when we did um when we were doing wabbit we had snoop dogg on our show we had i think we had david lee roth i think we had is that who it was i think so um we had sean astin and i actually think he did come in um, but by and large, you know, they either record from home or some other studio or, or they come into the studio at a separate time and we're not there. And, you know, so you, you don't get to meet these people, you know. Um, so you don't know if they're wonderful, splendid people, terribly difficult, you know, late, early, you know, no idea. Um, well, yeah. I mean, you just ask the voice director and they'll tell you. <laughs> oh, sometimes, sometimes, they will. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I mean, speaking of people you've worked with, which one would you say you miss the most working with in person? Oh, jeez. Oh, I mean, there were three people that came to mind instantly. Um, hmm. I mean, I'm... Uh... Gosh... I think the people that I, because I, I'm, I'm not going to say any of the directors that I work with because I still see them. You know, I still, I still see them on Zoom and I still interact with them. I do miss interacting with them in person. Uh, but as far as the ones that I really miss, miss, that would be the people that I would see at group records and I have not and I do not see in person anymore. I miss, you know, the extended cast of Boss Baby, like. Um, like Pierce and Alex and Kevin, uh, uh, Alex Cazares, Kevin Michael Richardson, Pierce Gagnon, Hope Levy, David Collins. Um, they're fabulous people. And uh, Kari Walgren, you know, when she does some of her guest stuff. Um, it was great working with them. And I, you know, I miss getting to see them at sessions. I miss, um, you know, I, I, I even still miss like the, on the Wizard of Oz show that I used to do, uh, that was such a great group and we the whole show was a group record um and i miss all of those folks um you know i'm lucky that i still see uh steve bloom and kari walgren on a pretty regular basis but the other people like that are in that session i don't you know if it's not on social media i don't see them um so yeah i miss that i mean crap that was a funny room that was a really funny room and i i do miss that Oh, the stories that that that, that uh, we can't share on here because of <laughs> might oh, get filth. too raunchy. It was, it was filth. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's the thing. Like uh, when I say, and you know, when I say filth, that I I, I don't mean like you know uh, <laughs> that there was any type of Me Too moments going on. I, I hope not. I don't think. Uh, but. Uh, no, it was just, you know, we just all have wicked senses of humor. We just love to play around with the characters and, uh, you know, just have fun with it. Um, and, you know, in between all of the golden takes that will end up uh, in the actual show in front of the eyeballs of a five to eight year old. So, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a good group. God, there's there must be like so many bloopers that I'm just so sad we'll never get to hear that are just like sitting there in some audio engineer's basement mm -hmm, or what mm -hmm. have you. Oh, no, no, no. I am, I am, I'm, I'm quite sure that there is a litany of blackmail somewhere, uh, but <laughs> I don't know who has it. Uh, so I, I guess I'll just, I'll just have to wait till they reveal it and destroy me. 
Uh, anyway, um, I think we're, is that, is that an hour? I think that's been an hour. I think so. So this has been a lot of fun. And, um, before we go, where can people find you to bother you about the stuff? (laughs) About all the things. Uh, you can find me on, uh, you can find me at JP Karliak on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and you can also find me at, uh, well, also my website, jpcarliac.com, but you can also find, uh, the two organizations that I, I, um, I founded, uh, I co-founded Nerds Vote with Courtney Taylor, uh, that's nerdsvote.com, uh, which is a voter registration organization. And I also founded, um, Queervox, uh, queervox.org, which is a, um, Training, uh, training, voiceover training academy for uh, LGBTQIA plus individuals. All right, awesome, and uh, th- thank you so much for taking the time up to do this, man. This has been a lot of fun, and um, yes, thanks for having me. In- <laughs> patience, I so appreciate it. And if you ever want to come back, just let me know. <laughs> sure, will. All right, all Enjoy. right. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>